This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer. Amandine. Buffoonery is kindled. Welcome back to Like the Beacons, a Lodro podcast that also dabbles in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of old Johnny Tolkien. This is episode number 58, and I'm your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, hero of the small folk, and dwarf of ill repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary Light the Beacon's Middle Earth-wide headquarters atop the Beacon of Halifirian, the seventh and final episode in our Beacon-specific series. It's been a fun ride low these past few months exploring the views and history that inspired this podcast, so we're going to take a moment to relish this final step. Let me take a look around. It's a gray and cloudy day up on top of the hill, so our views are sadly shortened somewhat, but I can see the uh, marshes surrounding Beacon Watch off to the northwest, and the gray and cloudy day continues around me in a full circle as I climb the steps atop Holofurian to the uh, to the beacon itself, which is unlit currently. Uh, to the south, I can see the the mountain line, the mountains range that uh, define the space, um, dividing uh, southern Rohan and northern Gondor. There's a path here flanked with uh, torches, reminiscent of the the swan wings that you see in Dol Amroth. And as I head to the east, uh, I can see atop a hill. Uh, the tomb of Halifirian, there are three cylindrical mounds here. There are a number of Variag uh, tomb robbers in the, uh, in the space below me. There's a courtyard, basically, that opens up that's marble, surrounded by a nice wooden surround. And um, it's, got, uh, it's got an obelisk in the middle, actually. Um kind of a black stone pyramidal structure. I see some elven writing on it. I think I know that symbol. I wish I could remember what exactly it is, but there is definite meaning there. I'm going to have to look that up. Tokyo and scholars check it out. Uh, there's a doorway that descends into the side of the mountain. Uh, there are flanking Gondorian uh, soldier statues. Oh gosh, I mean, the guy's head is as big as my whole body, so they must rise you know, 60, 70 feet into the air, 80 feet into the air. And then over the central door, there's a figure in robes and that is raising a scepter and uh, what appears to be a palantir in his right hand over his head as he stares off into the east uh, towards the kingdom of Gondor and uh, Minas Tirith. 
And uh, as I look towards the view that way, I can see um, the uh, beacon of Kalanhad uh, up atop the mountain slope, just ringed in a soft pink hue. Uh, the the red of Mordor, not quite so, not quite so red from this distance, uh, but it, it almost looked like a beautiful sunset off to the east, uh, except for the jagged uh, lightning that strikes every few minutes. Uh, which kind of reminds you that uh, you are in a troublesome area. So it's a beautiful view. Um, it's been fun relieving the beacons here. But uh, as fun as this little journey across the heights of Far Anorian has been, I feel a hankering, as I always do, to return to the home of my forefathers in Moria and feel the deliciously oppressive weight of stone over my head as well as visit some other areas of Middle-earth that we have not seen in quite some time. So, I'm looking forward to moving on. I can't promise where our next journey will take us just yet. Just that it will be unexpected, even for me. And with that, we'll move on to the second beacon of Elinok. As usual, we'll deal with a lot of CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So last time out, we offended international podcast reviewers, strategists, uh, the rich and famous, Lotro executive producers, and elves. And to all of those that were offended, I offer a very solemn and heartfelt sorry, except for the elves. Also, I believe I might have called the tomb of Elendil the tomb of Isildur, and I might have said that we were getting farther from Rohan and closer to Gondor, when actually the exact opposite is true. So, wait, stop that, reverse it. Ah, uh, these little details. Uh, viewer comments, agree to disagree. Um, I got an iTunes review from Orlac of Arkenstone. He says he finally shook off his hobbit apathy and left a review on iTunes. And because he's from Melbourne, Australia, and he wasn't sure if I'd be able to see it, he's included it here in the comments. Uh, keep up the good work. This is my favorite Lotro podcast. Cheers, Orlac. That is high praise indeed. Thank you very much, Orlac. And he writes... <coughs> Light the Beacons is an entertaining and humorous podcast that focuses on Lord of the Rings Online. All true. The host Bragg is an experienced gamer, has much knowledge regarding Lotro, and is extremely good looking. Okay, I made up that last part. He also discusses other games and various pop culture topics. His expertise in all things Lotro is why I always learn something new with each episode. Uh, enjoys my sarcastic humor. Laughs out loud at my antics. What am I? Uh, what am I, a clown? Am I here to amuse you? Uh, my favorite episode was the one where Bragg reflected on the balance between gaming and family life. This is something I often struggle with. I might have to return to that at some point. Probably the most serious podcast I ever did. If you play Lotro or are thinking of playing Lotro or just like a good laugh, this is the podcast for you. Highly recommended. Thank you so much, Orlac. Let's check the leaderboard. The last review of the podcast was left by Orlac of Arkenstone on October 13th of 2016. So he currently has our high score. If you want to join this illustrious vacuum of your viewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. In the Twitter sphere, I did receive a twit last week from Daniel at Elmore02. He said he just finished episode 57 and enjoyed the doctor's, produ the doctor's producer's letter, as well as my Robin Leach impersonation. So, just to be clear, I read that letter completely straight, with no edits, as far as you know, and... That was actually Robin Leach guest starring. Turns out he's been out of work recently and needed the money. Moving on to Community Spotlight. 
I uh, heard another episode last week from Alboros at Lotrocast, so they're not coming fast and furious, but they are trickling in as he rejoins the game. Always good to hear from him. Uh, one thing I did want to note was uh, just an absolute proliferation of Lotro Twitch streamers coming out of the woodwork right now. Um, it seems like, so I have a, a message notification set up on my phone whenever Lotro twits something out, and they uh, normally announce the start of each Lotrocast uh, stream that's on their official stream site, and I swear there, it seems to be there's two or three a day at this point in time. I, I remember when we used to have two or three a week. So uh, I think that's a really good thing. Uh, hopefully people are, you know, I'm wondering what the viewership numbers are like. I don't go out and watch a lot of streams. I have seen a couple of them in the past. I think I caught a Bloodborne once. Uh, I've seen Aerotherit a couple times. Um, I haven't done a ton of them. Uh, I, my attitude has always been, who is time to watch when you could play? <laughs> uh, so I don't have lots of occasions where a Twitch stream is, you know, maybe the only thing I could do to get in-game and... Um, you know, I've watched some other streams before, obviously, I took in Professor a few times and things like that. So, I think it's good for the game. It's not for everybody. Um, occasionally, I like I like chiming in and seeing what's up and what the different styles that people are. Um, so, uh, there are a couple names out there I've heard a lot about that I you know, want to go and sample. Uh, but I think it's great. So, if you're into it at all, please go support the community. And, uh, you know, it's really the live chat that makes the streams more interesting. The more people are there... The more the uh, the uh, witty banter and discourse, uh, the more entertaining for everybody. So, hope you guys go out there and support the Lotro streams. Um, I did notice also talking about community that uh, Court Court increased engagement continues. He's doing a weekly stream himself now called Court of the Rings. I think it's on Thursdays. And uh, last week he was on Lotro Players News. Uh, an appearance, an episode that was entitled Cordovan Says No. And uh, why was it called Cordovan Says No? Um, because we asked a lot of questions that he couldn't answer. <laughs> so I loved having Cordovan on. I uh, love that we took questions from the crowd to ask him. But I think as a Lotro community, we need to do a better job of asking questions. So why do we ask questions we know the answers to, For for first of all? And uh, in a lot of cases, um, I was disappointed that Lotro Players News didn't follow up more aggressively with Cordovan's answers. Ask the follow-up question. Why don't we ever follow up on his answers? So a lot of times we let him off the hook. Uh, we asked a tough question. He said, uh, you know, I don't know, or I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to that, or I can't tell you that, or I don't have an answer for you. Um, you know, I'd like to see a little more dialogue where we could follow up and ask him, well, you know, from the game's perspective, you know, people think this, generally speaking, from what we've seen, you know, do you think that makes sense? Or, you know, who makes that kind of decision? Or how does that happen within the game community? I, I think we could have gone a, 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 we could have lured him out a bit more with a bit more focused questioning. So what did he say in all that time that was actually interesting and useful? Yeah, at least he admitted himself, look, you know, when people ask me, you know, what about this in the game? What about this in the game? He's got the same answer all the time, which is, yeah, it sounds good, I guess. But if we do that, and that means we don't do something else, and it's not on the list right now, and, uh, you know, we'll see. So, uh, you know, hopefully, at the very least, he's hearing these things. And if he hears the same thing more than once, more than twice, more than three times, you know, it might register that he has some influence to, uh, to try to get it into the game. So that's the byproduct that we can hope for at some point. 
but you know, it seems to me as a community manager, his influence in that area is fairly limited. That's my guess anyway. Uh, so the one interesting th- factoid that I did hear from his guest appearance was that uh, he mentioned we will be revisiting Erebor sometime next year for something. And that was uh, unexpected uh, from my perspective. So what could that be? A session play around the battle for Erebor? You know, we already have an Erebor instance cluster, which, you know, takes out uh, key points in the battle and and uh, abstracts them into instances for us. So I don't doesn't seem like that would make a lot of sense. We know that there's a battle going on in Erebor at the same time that the Battle of Minas Tirith is taking place, or shortly thereafter. So there's major activity going on up there. Um, you know, we can't be two places at once. So I think it's got to be either session play, or um, this is an interesting option. You know, with all the expansion talk after Mordor, are we going to, you know, are we going to Harad? Are we going to? Ke- uh, Kand, you know, are we going to, um, you know, east of the brown lands to find the blue wizards? Um, you know, maybe the most, uh, the expansion that makes the most sense that focuses most on an area that most people would be familiar with would be to do northern Mirkwood, including Erebor. And, uh, you know, maybe the mention in the, in the Lord of the Rings books about the, the conflict going on there is enough that they can draw that in. You know, we already have pieces of Erebor, so I think they have the rights to it. Uh, but we could see the halls of the Elven King. We could deal with a goblin menace in the north. We could help clean up uh, Erebor after the battle there. Um, you know, we could uh, take the Bjorning Karak area and actually build it into the game, as opposed to just an instance that only Bjornings can ex- can uh, can penetrate. So, I think there's a lot of things going for a potential Northern Mirkwood expansion. Hmm, interesting. We shall see. So, what else is going on in the forums? Well, don't go to the forums a lot. Um, I did notice there was seemed to be a cry for not just flower picking, but crafting, right? Lots of people asking about update 19 will include any crafting. So the flower essences do lend themselves to crafting recipes, I believe. I have not investigated this part of the new update uh, significantly yet, so I can't talk to it. Um, but uh, it seems like, at least on the forums, there's a lot of cries out to make crafting relevant again. Give us a new tier or give us endgame gear that can be crafted by uh, by our gilded masters and uh, make them useful again. The other thing I saw, obviously, was that there was a developer diary published this last week around premium housing by Erica Friendly Hat Ng, NG, system designer. And I just wanted to read the opening of this developer diary because I thought there was something rather amusing in it. It says, hello, with update 19, we're introducing a new type of housing, which we're calling premium housing, along with a new neighborhood, the Cape of Belfast. All right, so far so good. The Cape of Belfast is a spacious new waterfront neighborhood replete with lighthouses, beaches, docks, and a fantastic view of the bay. Mm, Sounds great. Let's keep going. Relinquished by Gondorians who marched off to war or fled from Corsair raids, these large homes are now generally available to adventurers of all stripes, (laughs) containing many more hook points to decorate and display hard-won spoils upon. Okay, let's go back. Let's review again. Relinquished by Gondorians who marched off to war or fled from Corsair raids, these large homes are now generally available. (laughs) 
So we're basically, you know, I don't know if these soldiers and ministerial that all perished, you know, we're basically moving right into their houses. <laughs> I hope they didn't will these to their ancestors or maybe their wives or children are still left behind because I'm taking it. <laughs> I mean, how how disrespectful do you have to be? You know, these these people just perished and we're already reclaiming their property. We're, the ring isn't even, you know, the ring isn't even in the mountain yet. And we've we're already, did, we're like, dibs, I got the house on the cliff with the view. It's mine. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> okay. So, you know, maybe they could have come up with a, a better justification why some of the, times are hard and some of these folks had to sell. No, they're all dead now. So you can move into their house and enjoy this dead Gondorian estate. It's beautiful. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the, you know, there's, there's still frit. There's still, there's still food in the fridge. <laughs> the, the sheets are barely cold. <laughs> Just go ahead and sleep right there. <laughs> All right, so I, don't know, I hope someone else is finding this as amusing as I am. Uh, you know, I want to I want to see the pictures of like the dead owners on the wall still when you move it. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. So in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to, as always, talk a little about about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks. We're going to find out the answer to the burning question: Who is buried in the Lendl's tomb? And no, it's not Grant. We will go flower picking with Gollum. And lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will pad out our runtime with useless and boring filler material. Let's move on to our third beacon. I am going to stop and wet my whistle because I am getting under the weather with all that's been going on in my life. And my voice is starting to go. We are at Nardal. This week in gaming, another Tolkien news. Uh, other games we've been playing. Yes, I'm still muddling along on Pokemon Go. They even came out with uh, some Halloween updates recently, which uh, which were kind of interesting and or at least different. Um, DDO I have not played. Secret World uh, has some of the best Halloween content in the game, I have uh, heard. I have not partaken in most of it because I'm not sure if it's actually end cap required or if I can do it at the level I currently am in now. Good question. Um, I have uh, done some of the Halloween quests in the past. Something about a demonic cat last year. Uh, was actually pretty cool. Uh, Marvel Heroes, no. Uh, Clash of Clans, just real quick, uh, came out with an excellent update recently where they have uh, put a new quick train feature in where you can have multiple sets of like standard builds for your armies and you can uh, train them all at the touch of a button. It's supposed to happen to select all the different uh, units previously. Uh, it saves a ton of time. It's a really good option. So they continue to polish that game and uh, you know given the amount of money it's making them might make sense they continue to pour some dev dollars into it uh, I did play a little bit of Star Tech online I'm a level 20 commander I was doing a quest called patrol around Yuna and uh, found it challenging I was taking on sets of like three scout Klingon ships at a time and uh, you know, I was taking heavy fire, but I'd get one of them down, and I'd kind of hold my own with the two. And then when it was down to one, it was easy. But as I moved around the planet, because uh, I had to take out like five sets of Klingon war cruisers like that, I came upon a single cruiser configuration instead of a three. It's called a Vorkar cruiser, and um, 
I must have circled that thing for 15 minutes, try to put a scratch in it, and could not get it below 99% uh, hit points. So that tells me, and this is a quest level that I think is supposed to be either 19 or 20, right at my level. So that tells me, um, A, I'm doing combat wrong, <laughs> or B, I am woefully underpowered with uh, with my weapons, and uh, there's some some aspect of the game as far as evolving my weapons or replacing them or upgrading them or doing research to make them more effective that I am missing because I could not put a dent in this thing no matter how many times I hit it. Um, I, I quickly figured out that you know I was dropping quicker than it, even though I gave, was giving it everything I had. And uh, I had to quit. The, I had to run away and quit the quit the quest. So uh, this is the kind of thing that drives uh, hopefully some innovation on my part to learn what I'm doing wrong or how I can improve my ship, or maybe just drop down a few levels in terms of the quests I go after to uh, find something that's more palatable. You know, a game I continue to flounder on uh, about uh, here and there over time. Uh, last time out, I mentioned that I have been playing Shadow of Mordor. I've been way too busy. I have not done anything with it. Um, there's been all kinds of stuff going on in Lotro. Uh, the Fall Fair came out, which is one usually one of uh, people's favorites of the year. And also, uh, obviously, the Content Update 19. So between those two things and one other project I have, which I'll talk about in a minute, I've been uh, playing too much Lotro for anything else, of course, again. So Bragg has uh, ground out the new festival horse already. As soon as I saw the picture of it, I knew I had to have it. It is awesome. Um, I really like the way they're stepping up some of their mounts um, recently. After a long time where they were kind of stagnant, we had the uh, the black, the, the awesome black demon goat last year, and now this uh, may be the best Halloween steed I've seen. Um, I, I like it even better than the, st the skeleton steeds, I think. Uh, so if you haven't got it yet, it's uh, <clears throat> got some like glowing golden eyes and uh, you know a, a black coat with a bristly tail and and uh, some cool looking um, some cool looking tack on top of it that uh, with a neat pattern that's kind of uh, awesome. I mean you know I just want to ride across the ride across the, the the swamps with it at night you know sneaking up on people glowing in the dark. So that was neat. That was definitely worth grinding out. Um, I took the day that the content update came out. I took a run through the new region, picking some flowers, uh, just basically to get a feel for its scope and size. I ran all the way up to the end of the uh, the encampment uh, outside of uh, Daggerlad. Uh, the plains of Daggerlad are um, uh, right outside the gates, basically in, in view of the mortar gates. So. Um, I have to admit, through the run that I took up through the region, uh, it is really pretty. I did like it. Uh, it's got kind of rolling rocky hills and great views sloping down from the mountains. Uh, so it looks like, at first glance, um, Turbine once, den once again did a great job with the landscape. And I've heard some good things coming uh, from people about the quests. So um, I started on the quest of Pelennor with Bragg, and uh, basically I think I'm through the majority of the quest of the Pelennor, and uh, which has some somber, well done moments. Obviously, um, grieving the dead, and then I'm about to move on to Asgiliath. Uh, so I, I know there's a second set of quests in there as we move east. So that's where I am in the progression with the new update. I haven't done a lot with it yet because I've been doing a few other things, which I'll talk about. Also, before the content update came out, um, 
I was running on Bragg the Battle of Lorien, which uh, some of you may remember from the Lothlorien uh, content update. Um, this is, uh, you know, early on in Shadows of Angmar days, uh, Turbine had an interest in creating these battles as endgame content. Uh, they had them in Angmar, uh, right outside of Garth Forthnir. And uh, they also had them outside of Kalos Galadon in Lorien. And um, the Battle of Lorien is an interesting little instance. And what I've been doing is slowly clearing my deed log on Bragg over time. And right now, uh, for Rovanion, I am in Lothlorien and uh, had cleared out every deed in Lothlorien except for this one, completing the Battle of Lorien, uh, I think it was three times. And. Uh, as you know, it's not obviously content that's run very frequently. I tried to solo it. You cannot solo the Battle of Lorien by yourself because as you're running around trying to destroy the idols that you need to destroy, um, there are guard points that elves uh, left to their own devices will will be killed. And uh, you know, basically, you can't cover both bases. You either have to repel the attacks or you have to go get the idols. And uh, as far as I know, you cannot do it by yourself. I've had a, a bunch of other people tell me that's the case as well. So you need at least two people. One to guard the guard points at the bottom of the hill. Um, it's in the area of Fanyudal, which is in the northwest reaches of, uh, of Lothlorien, although the quest is accessed out of Kalos Galadon. And so you need at least two level tunes to do it, and it's just not called for that much. If you find someone asking for it, it's because either they're level 60 moving through there and they're bored and want to see it, or because they're clearing their deed log like me. So I, I did find some guys calling out for it the other day, um, and uh, I jumped into the run. I was like, oh, finally, someone who's doing this. And uh, we... Between the two of between the three of us, we were able to clear it very easily. Obviously, being high level, um, took you know maybe 15, 20 minutes, and uh, and I was like, oh, I'm finally going to finish this deed on my log. Thank goodness. And he goes, oh, how many times have you run it? I said three. He goes, oh no, you've got more deeds to come. I said, what are you talking about? So if you go into your deed log and check the rewards uh, checkbox in the deed log for Battle of Lorien, you will see that beyond the first tier of completion, which is finishing it three times, there is uh, another tier for five, another tier for seven, and another tier for ten times that you have to complete the battle. Uh, and you don't see the deeds that follow until you finish the previous ones. So uh, so you're, you can only run it once a day. It's a heavy sigh. And... Uh, and basically, you have to run it at least 10 times to finish all the deeds in the, in the area. And I think deed number five, basically, all you're getting out of the additional runs is um, titles. And deed number five, you would get the title True Heart Defender of Lorien for finishing the Battle of Lorien successfully 10 times. And the other interesting thing I found out as I researched it a little bit more is that uh, as you do more uh, Battles of Lorien, you unlock some challenge quests that you can do within the battle uh, where you have to you know, finish the battle within a certain time frame or you have to include uh, side quests to aggro certain generals before they leave the battlefield or beat time limits or to protect certain elves to make sure they get no damage, whatever the case may be. So there was some complexity in this back in the day. Um, when Lothlorien first came out, I still was working my way through um, trying to get to Moria because uh, I was just slightly behind the content at that time. I, I was probably in Moria when Lothlorien was premiered. Um, so the first content update that I was current on when it came out was Mirkwood. 
I was still catching up to Lorien at that time. So I, I, I was not around when the, the Battle of Lorien was first premiered. But now you know a little bit more about, maybe more than you wanted to, about the Battle of Lorien. And if you ever want to clear your deed log in Lothlorien, you might want to start uh, working on the 10 iterations of the Battle of Lorien that you'd need to get done over time. Uh, so what else has been going on? My Minstrel did a, a full uh, Blood of the Black Serpent run, BBS run. Um, this is unusual just because I don't see it called for very much. And here's the reason. Uh, I got in a run and people, basically we did the first boss and then everybody fled. They all said thanks and quit. So I guess it was just understood that we were only going to the first boss. And here's why. Because after the first boss, you go to a mounted combat instance. Um and uh, you wanted a mounted combat instance in the game, you got one. Here it is. And no one wants to do it. <laughs> so what happens is you go to the edge of the fields, and uh, there's the big open field with a bunch of mobs running around, uh, basically little tiny war bands that could overwhelm you if they all hit you at the same time. But if you grab aggro on them one at a time and drag them back towards the, uh, the area um, uh, where the camp is, they get dismounted, and then you can fight them on foot. And it turns out it looks like everyone thinks that's the easiest, fastest way to do it. So nobody does the, the mounted combat anyway. <laughs> so, uh, interestingly enough, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, because it's not done, people don't understand how to do it, what the best lines are if you're grouping, and how to interact with each other, and... It's, it's too bad, but uh, but I understand why people do it. So so anyway, I called some folks in uh, that's, that wanted to finish the instance with me. We went all the way to the last boss. Uh, you need to complete the full BBS run if you want to finish the storyline that goes through the instances in the Pelinor. So uh, it's good to get that done and move on to, I think, Doma Stars is the next one. So Bragg has finished all those, but a lot of my alts haven't been through them yet. Um, you know, the final... The final boss in BBS should probably also be done mounted, but um, you can do it on foot uh, as long as as long as you're careful and kind of uh, off to one side where you won't get all the mounted uh, ads on you at the same time. Uh, we finished that instance, but as the healer, I aggroed uh, one too many guys. And I, I died right before we got the boss down, uh, but I got credit. Uh, ran back and got credit, so it worked out. Uh, I've also done uh, my menstrual Throne of the De Dread Terror uh, pug with a group of Russians. So basically it was ten Russians and uh, two people they picked up a pug-like to fill in their group. And uh, I was healing. This is the first time I've tried to heal Rathacross uh, in that raid. And uh, I felt pretty good about my healing. I felt uh, up to the task for the most part. Um... But we weren't quite fast enough, and as you know, corruptions build up, and uh, you know half the party gets one shot towards the end if you're if you're just not fast. We're doing good, we're doing good, we're doing good. Half the party one shot, we're done. Um, you know, even though we're I had everybody pretty much at full health, so that's just the, not uh, meeting the timer. Uh, corruptions kick in. If you don't hit the timer, then he goes nuts. Um, so we had him down to we did we tried it three times and on the second try we had him down to 300k which is like basically almost done that was really close so still have not finished him on one of my tunes yet but i'm hoping to soon the interesting part is that um i know there's a strategy where you can go and grab barrels and bring them back down to rathacross to get rid of his corruptions no one seems to do that i don't know why it's problematic um maybe it's too much trouble with the ads 
uh, to make it work. But everyone, you know, I guess it's just easier to uh, to nuke him and try to to beat the timer than to work out the barrel strategy. So haven't seen people doing it at least in the runs that I've been a part of. My cappy has been lying fallow. My lore master. Uh, Realized that my lore master had jumped to Minas Tirith and skipped the end of chapter 3 in Osgiliath when I was going through on the epic quest line. So now I know the Osgiliath haters out there would like to skip that tightly packed area, mob area, but if, if you tough it out, I want to remind you that there is an Amphalas Crystal of Remembrance down there to be had, uh, as well as a Supreme Essence, although it's only tier 7, um, as part of the epic quest, finishing the epic quest in that area. And uh, the Amphalash Crystal of Remembrance, uh, you may all know, is the um, the thing you can apply to your imbued legendary item uh, prior to imbuement to give it one extra uh, one extra legacy. So you have seven. Uh, I like to have seven legacies on all of my allies, especially now that they're going to be with us for a long time. And Amphalash Crystal of Remembrance is one of the hardest items to get in game right now as a drop. It's possible you can get it in Hobbit Presence. I can't remember right now if I've seen one drop from a boss chest. If if they do, I haven't seen it in a long time. So, so where they they do where you can get them from epic quests, it's nice to go after that. And finishing off the epic quest line in Osgiliath is about the time from when you'd be looking to imbue a new level 100 uh, legendary item. Anyway, so that works out well. You have one of them covered. Uh, I also got a nice two-slot bracelet that will probably be an upgrade unless you have been grinding jewelry elsewhere. My Berg still needs to finish his Eastonorian Slayer Deeds. Uh, almost done with Trolls. Finish the Orcs today. So almost done with Trolls. And then I'll do a focus session with Deed Accelerators on the Easterlings, Harad, and Beasts. Uh, my Hunter 105 is uh, waiting to two Minas Tirith uh, big battles. Hopefully we'll get them in soon for the class trade points. Uh, my Bjorning. This is where we've made the most progress. Uh, so this was the third project um, that has prevented me from exploring Update 19 fully. My Bjorning, when last we spoke, was level 94, and I tried to make a push to get him to 105 before the new content update came out, and I almost made it. Um, took a little more doing after up 19, but after a day or so after, I, I had him complete. I, I didn't want to cut over and start doing the new content and leave him at level 103 or 104, so close. So, so basically, I went from level 94 to 105. Uh, he's been on quite a journey, starting in the Broad Acres, uh, got the class trait point there, and uh, you know was doing the. The Fangor quest, the Fangorn quest out of Torsberry. I want to mention this. This is for those of you who've done the Broadacres. Some of you multiple times, I'm sure. There's a part of the quest line in the Broadacres where uh, you go to the city of Torsberry, which has been taken over by orc groups, and they've got prisoners in there. And and Torferth is sitting outside in his little campment, you know, outside the field where you get cled one all, all the time if you're not careful. And there's a quest line in there that sends you into Fangorn, which is nearby. And uh, I remember doing it initially on Bragg and then never doing it again because um, the quests in there are kind of a pain in the neck. Um, you meet the Ent Blackthorn, and he tells you to, to kill the Black Heworns, which are evil, without killing the Good Heworns, you know, but both of them aggro on you. So you have to be really careful not to aggro the good ones and only kill the bad ones. And then uh, you collect a bunch of acorns, and uh, which are really hard to find. And then you have to plant the acorns, but they don't tell you exactly where to find them. You have to find the little rings on your mini-map. 
and basically you have to like you know just triangulate in on these places they're not marked they're not glowing you just have to find them on the map and uh plant the acorns in each of these places and it's, it's a pain it's not it's not fun questing it's not easy but i hadn't done it in a while so i said okay on my bjorning i'll go through and i'll do these quests again just so i can remember what they are and um, at the end of that quest line, Blackthorn sends you a message. He says, thanks for your help. You know, if you need me, just call me. You know, just use my messenger, my messenger crows and call me and I'll come and I'll help you out. And I was like, oh, that's nice, man. Uh, but I remember doing this before and I don't remember that actually ever happening. So then you do the instance called the Assault on Torsberry, where you and a bunch of the, you know, Torfirth and a bunch of his hirelings, you know, basically assault the town and try to take it back. And this is kind of a tough instance if you're a squishy class because um, yeah, it's one of those instances where you have to balance not taking too much aggro. You have, you have to let the uh, you know the NPCs take some of the aggro, but not all of it. If you let them take too much, they'll get killed before you get to the end. If you if you take too much, get too many mobs on you, you can get killed. And lots of times in these instances, I've been killed and uh, spawned at a spawn point like all the way across the map and ran back and got back into the instance and rejoined it before it ended <laughs> uh, where guys were still fighting and I was able to rejoin and finish it. So that is possible, just so you know. So anyway, it's a, it's a tough instance, and uh, I noticed about halfway through it... Um, I found uh, a crow that was sitting off to one side, and I went over to basically kill it, <laughs> and it was labeled. It said uh, Blackthorn's Messenger. So um, after I, I walked up to it, it said, you know, I'll summon him and I'll be there soon. And as you get into the last group, you'll notice that Blackthorn comes out of the ruins uh, to the west and joins you in the fight. And he actually drives off uh, one of the guys who's pretty high hit points, Frithmoind, and takes care of him and takes him out of the fight. So it's a tough final fight, and I never noticed this before. So I don't know if any of you guys have seen this before, where if you do all the Fangorn quests, you get Blackthorn as a helper in that final instance, and he makes it a lot easier. And I really like that wrinkle. I like the uh, the choices that the um, the devs give you to um, decide to do the quests or to skip them. Uh, you know, to make it easier for you, do the quests and you can get the help, or you can try it without. I, I just said, uh, you know, maybe that was there the first time through with Bragg, and it's been so long I've totally forgotten about it. But I, I had uh, I had spaced it, so I thought it was neat that the end came to help fight and uh, that it was the result of me helping him with his wood. So good jobs on the devs. If, you, if you've never done that before and you're taking an alt through, you might want to give it a try just to, um, just to see that, uh, that option. Uh, so then you've got all these instances with Frith, uh, which are tough. You do the Goblin Slayer ride south of Stoke. You have to defend the two campfires, one on either side of Stoke. Um, you know, again, it's a challenge of balancing your DPS versus aggroing too much and being killed. I always find those challenging, and they've been especially challenging because uh, I was still in hit bolt armor and legendary items well below my level, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And then you got challenging quests outside of Brock Bridge, where um, there's these orc encampments, orc encampments with a big bad bad guy named Nagus. There's a side quest where you can try to take out the orc Nagus, who's like a you know, super elite 
you know, 80 to 100K guy, and he's in, like, a, an area with a bunch of other ads around him. And, uh, you know, the last couple times, I've always been able to take him down with every tune, but it's, it's sometimes it's a struggle, depending on the tune. And uh, what I found with the Bjorning was, the secret line was, the secret was to use the blue line. Uh, avoid the red. Use the blue line for the greater heals. It's a little slower, but it's more stable. And I also used a soldier token. I had like a uh, token I'd won in a Hobbit present. Uh, so I was able to bring my healer out. So between my blue line healing and my, uh, my healer from my soldier, I was able to get through that. And another thing that you can do, I've, I've done in the past, is if you draw him out, um, out from behind the barricades and over to the soldiers that are guarding Brockbridge, sometimes they'll give you a hand uh, if you can keep his aggro that long. So... Um, I also used that technique to finish the Thane of Martin quest. That's like Martin is the burned out town outside of Helm's Deep where, um, you know, they have a challenge quest where you go into the, uh, the still standing, uh, Thane's hall and, uh, they have a, you know, an orc that set up camp there with a bunch of helpers and, uh, it's a challenge quest to go through there and be able to take all those out. Uh, challenging again for squishy classes, you know, guard, you scoop everyone in the room and burn them down. But, but found it difficult on the Bjorning and, and use the same technique. Blue line with uh, with a soldier token and you know all food and everything and was able to get it done. So uh, after I finished up uh, questing around the Broadacres and at Helm's Deep, I had to pick the epic line back up because you've got that weird thing where you get to a certain point in the epic and Stoke and it says, oh, the timeline's not good. you got to go back and finish some stuff in Edoras, and then you can pick this back up again. So so I went back to Edoras, and uh, I had left the uh, epic quest line where I was um, in Under Harrow, uh, schlepping Ordovacar's swords across the bridge back and forth to the house, his swords, and then his armor, and then his spears, carrying the big barrel back and forth. Here's a pro tip. When you're doing one of those quests where you got to carry something, um, you can't use your skills because you're carrying a barrel, right? But if you have, if you know, most tunes have some kind of acceleration skill, not all of them, but a lot of them do. Guard has one, the captain has one, the champion has one, the warden has one. Um, you know, Hunter's just got his native speed. Uh, so if you click on your, um, your accelerated skill, uh, right before you pick up the item, then you can use the faster run speed. So not everyone knows that you have to you have to trip it before you pick up the barrel, uh, right before. So if you do it after, then you won't be able to click on the skill. But if you do it before, you can enjoy the speed boost for most most of your journey, depending on how many seconds it lasts. So that's a good pro tip when you're doing uh, fetch and carry quests within Lotro. Uh, so I completed all the Westfold quests uh, through to the Helms Helms Deep big battles. Uh, have not done those yet, so they're still outstanding. Uh, Bjorning went through West Gondor, Central Gondor, South Athelion, Asgiliath, and Turn 105 running Epic Minas Tirith quests. So basically I did straight Epic quests with a few side quests for kicks here and there. And I made it to level 105 with level 75 legendary items. Yes, you heard it here. Level 75 legendary items. I think I upgraded, I started upgrading my hip bolt armor uh, in the Helm's Deep area, I was getting quest rewards that were better than whatever the set bonus was I was getting for Hitbolt. 
And I said, yeah, it's time. <laughs> uh, but I got all the way to level 105, and I said, well, let's take a look at my legendary items. And they were level 75. So, yes, I died a few times over the course of 94 to 105, but it is possible. And furthermore, it's actually more challenging for a so-called OP furball, at least, uh, to do these quests with level 75 legendary items. Um you know, you know, most of the game is a walkover, so sometimes you got to challenge yourself. So I made it all the way to level 75. It was probably a little slower than it could have been, uh, but uh, but I did it. It is possible, and now I've got uh, I've got uh, second age 100 LIs for the Bjorning at least. Um, not first agers yet. I'll get those eventually, but for now I had you know I've got like 25 second age symbols saved up. So I use the crystal of remembrance on them from this Gilead Volume Three book rewards, uh, along with from an initial expansion pack purchase for Elm's Deep. I think I had so they both have seven legacies. They've got the ones I want. Um, you know, actually, there's not a lot of legacies to choose from for the Bjorning. You may have noticed if you have an OP furball. Especially if you only have two trait lines open, I only have red and yellow. I don't have um, I don't have the blue line open, which is the tanking stance. And since I don't use the hide, as it's called, uh, there's a legacy called thickened hide duration, which doesn't even apply for me, so it's not worth having unless I eventually purchase the tanking line. I may do that down the road. Uh, right now, I don't feel like I need it. If I'm going to tank, I'm going to use my guard probably. So, um, you know, I, I basically use red line for soloing and the uh, yellow line for grouping. Um, haven't tried to really heal major uh, instances outside of just box runs with him yet, but um, I think he's capable of it if, as long as it's not, you know, high level raid content. So right now my Bjorning is, uh, he's got to go back and get his class trade points for the Central Gondor quest lines. So he's already made it through um, Ethering and Dor Ernil. So he's still got Labinan and Pilar gear. And then we'll finish back up with epic quests in Minas Tirith. So anyway, it was nice to upgrade the allies. Can you say DPS boost? Yes, there was a big difference. Uh, my champ, level 52 still in the waterworks. Uh, but, you know, all the rest of my tunes are basically the RK, the Warden, and the champ just been sitting on the uh, poorly hidden chest in uh, in Bilbo's, um, uh, Bilbo's Halloween, uh, whatever you call it, burrow, and uh, sitting on the poorly hidden chest and collecting fall festival tokens. Uh, so that's about it for in-game. Another Tokian news, I did read uh, the chapter in Unfinished Tales recently detailing Turgon's journey to an eventual admittance to Gondolin, uh, which was pretty spectacular. The descriptions of the Seven Gates and the accompanying guards is really neat. Gondolin was always one of my favorite settings in the Silmarillion. Clearly, Tokian had great plans for it that were maybe never fully realized. And uh, we did find out recently that uh, Christopher Tokian is going to be publishing the collected works or the superset of stories uh, for Baron and Luthien in one book that's going to be published next year. Probably the, the, the remaining tale that has the most detail and, and most lended itself to a single, um, a single novel that kind of collects all the different information from multiple sources and has the, you know, the final word on it, so to speak. So we'll be looking forward to that. And, oh my goodness, I need a drink. My voice is running out, but let's get to our next beacon.
We are at Aralas, and we spent a lot of time in Nardal. So we're going to move quickly through Aralas. Um, you know, I, I don't want to leave an empty beacon, so uh, just to fill in the time, we're going to listen to the dulcet tones of Gollum, traipsing through North Athelion, picking flowers. Gollum, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gollum. And now we are at uh, the fifth beacon of Min Rimon, at the original word from our sponsor segment. In this season, I have worked very hard to stay away from partisan politics. Nothing ruins world chat like good old misinformed, ignorant political debate trolling. But I can't stay silent longer and watch this travesty play out. There is only one candidate that can shake up the establishment, defy the corporate lobbyists, and take on the career politician status quo. Now, I know he's had a few lapses in judgment during the campaign. He's been accused of some pretty awful-sounding things, including being offensive to many different groups. But this November 8th, there is only one choice for right-minded, plain folks who want to make even Dim great again, and that's to cast your vote for Humph. That's right, Humphrey Rumming. From his lowly beginnings as the Salamander King of Tylerunin, he rose to be a legend in his own mind willing to take on the Anuminous Socialist Party, as well as that independent, wacko, blue lady candidate. His platform of removing the boat routes to return to the ever-swim, blue-collar work ethic that made this region great is sweeping the land, and his slogan is, a bore in every pot and a swim in every quest. So this November 8th, make even them great again. Vote Humph. My name is Humphrey Running, and I approve of this riddle. Your message. Okay, we've done enough silly stuff. Let's move on to something a little more boring. The sixth beacon of Kalanhad. We're almost to the final of beacon of Halifurian, so this week during Kalanhad, I wanted to discuss the beacon of Halifurian. The Rahiric town of Beacon Watch sits across the Maring Stream in the east fold of West Rohan to observe the beacon. Rising starkly out of the Furian wood, the beacon at Halifurian is the last in the chain of the warning beacons of Gondor between Minas Tirith and Rohan. Just below the summit lies the tomb at Halifurian, where the Oath of Ural established the eternal bond between Rohan and Gondor, according to Middle-earth lore. Otherwise known as the Tomb of Elendil. Wait, what, what? The Tomb of Elendil? Who, what, when, where, why? Uh, I happen to know the Tomb of Elendil is in Evendim because uh, I've been there and I've, like, cleaned the place out myself, personally. Okay, let's dig a little deeper on this. The Tomb of Elendil. Elendil, son of Amandil. Elendil was the first and founding king of Arnor when he fled into Middle-earth from the great rune of Numenor. He fought alongside Gil-galad as the leader of the Last Alliance and died during the siege of Barad-dûr at the hands of Sauron himself. After his death, Elendil was secretly interred at Halifurion, far to the south, by his son Isildur. But some of his most important standards and personal effects were symbolically uh, returned to a tomb that was set up for him outside of a Numenos. Interesting. 
So the tomb of Elendil, which houses no one except maybe a giant dead turtle, P.U., is involved in the ultimate quest line of Evendim. Uh, the Tomb of Elendil instance, uh, which concludes the storyline um, for the Blade That Was Broken quest, which then follows in Rivendell to its conclusion. You know, arguably, uh, you may reference, uh, gosh, Grima, what's the episode number? The Blade That Was Broken. One of my earliest podcasts for uh, Light the Beacons, where I talked about the greatness of this quest line. I think, personally, one of the greatest non-epic quest lines in all of Lotro, in Lotro history. The Blade That Was Broken quest line gave me goosebumps the first time I finished it. Um, you know, it, it traces all over Evendim, where you're chasing after what's going on in the region. It ends in a full fellowship instance, and then you get this great piece of Middle-earth history, uh, which was never shared before in the in the books to this level of detail. You get to be there as history is being made and Narsal is reforged. Uh, so the shards of Narsal had precious stones in it that made it powerful. Uh, sh- shades of starlight crystals, anyone? And uh, the Tomb of Elendil in Evendim is accessible along the path that leads to the doors of Anuminus as part of the Gateways to the Past quest line. Uh, it's called the Way of Kings is the area. And it also features in the epic quest instance of Volume 1, Book 10, Chapter 5, which results in the capture of Mordrumbor as he searches Hodilendil for the lost Palantir of Anuminus. Uh, Amarthiel uses the Palantir to find information that helps lead to the recovery of her Ring of Power, Narquil. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, the biggest question is... So, anyway, uh, now you know why the Tomb of Alifirian is the true tomb of Elendil, and why the Tomb of Elendil in Numinus is basically... Um, seems to be basically a, a little public museum that people can visit commemorating him, but he's not buried there. There's a big stinky turtle there, remember? So the biggest question I have related to the Tomb of Elendil, uh, for those of you who have done it, it's a great instance. Uh, back when it was um, on level, it was very challenging. Uh, you had to have a good mixed group. You had to have a healer. You couldn't just you couldn't just race your way through it. Um, you had to understand the mechanics. The Kurgrim womb, where they bust in and bum rush you, uh, was very dangerous. When you got to the turtle quest at the end, he would boot you off the side and break your legs. You'd have to run back up the ramp. You could not penetrate his shell and do significant damage until a burglar had done an all-yellow fellowship quest on him to crack his shell open. Great mechanic, great use of fellowship maneuver, as it should be used in the game today, and is not. So, um, Tomb of Elendil Instance includes trash mobs, mini-boss battles, and a final boss battle, which actually required strat, uh, which was worthy of a, to being a boss battle in an instance. So, the big question is, why is the Tomb of Elendil never been made into a repeatable instance in the Instance Finder for a fellowship that scales? Um, it seems to me like a no-brainer. All the effort's there. I, they could probably do it about a half an hour. Just add a chest at the end and scale it. That's it. Uh, so it's it's always been a mystery to me why they haven't used some of these assets. I think uh, even more so than the battles of Angmar and Lothlorien, which I know Pineleaf would like to see as skirmishes, um, even more so than those, I think the Tomb of Elendil is easily translatable into another instance for Lotro that they could stick into a future content update. So how about a turbine?
Anyway, now you know the answer to the question, who is buried in Delendal's tomb? Depends on which tomb of Delendal you're talking about. Uh, but the answer is uh, Slim and none, probably. And Jack just left town. So, anyway, enough of my rambling. It's time for Blessed Relief. It brings us to the end of the 58th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me. <clears throat> Just in time, my voice is leaving me. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. Brag with two A's. The second A stands for Apollonia. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan. Or on my website at lotthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Kindly request iTunes reviews. Very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. Hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, uh, the next time you discover the Tomb of Elendil quest in your quest log six years after you ran the Even Dim quest pack because you never found a group for it, don't despair. Light the beacons. Hey, as an addendum, um, I'm glad I got this podcast in tonight because it's been a busy couple weeks and it will be a busy couple weeks to come. So I didn't know when I was going to get a chance to record again. Seems like there's something going on every night. So uh, what is going on right now? Well, you know, there's a certain current event that kind of mirrors Middle Earth lore that I just wanted to speak to. So uh, let me tell you a little bit anecdote about this current news that mirrors my home in Moria. So. Say that, uh, you know, you had your team, the dwarves, and, uh, you know, they had Moria, which was great, but it was a long time ago. You know, they were there, and then they kind of were cursed, right, because a Balrog showed up, and they never got back to Moria after that for, like, a long time, like 108 years maybe. And then uh, a fellowship showed up, nine people, right, nine that uh, were able to banish the curse, and then all the dwarves were able to go back to Moria, right? So, seems to me like this is kismet, and uh, I just want to root for the dwarves to get back to Moria. It's been way too long. It's a momentous time in the history for the dwarves. They really need to break this curse, get rid of this Balrog, uh, goat, uh, Balrog, I mean, and, uh, then we can all sing at the end. Ready? Go dwarves, go. Go dwarves, go. Hey, Kazadoom, what do you say? The dwarves are going to win today. Go dwarves, go. Go dwarves, go. Hey, Kazadoom, what do you say? The dwarves are going to win today. So fly that W flag, dwarves. Fly it proudly. And hopefully the next time I talk to you, we'll be celebrating in Moria in the 21st hall. Go Dwarves! <laughs>